Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, we're talking about blockchain and energy. In 2017, we were in the midst of blockchain hype. It hit the headlines, was set to be the next great thing, and there was definitely a fear of missing out. In energy, that led to a range of blockchain initiatives, projects and investments backed by utilities and venture capital money alike. As is often the case with hype, the market probably did get overexcited, but as is also the case with hype, there was definitely rationale and substance behind the hype. Blockchain has some very clear attractions. So three years on from the 2017 uh, spike of interest, where are we now? What have we learned? What role will blockchain play in the energy sector in the next years? These are the questions we're focusing on today. And as usual, I'm joined by three guests with excellent experiences and perspectives to help answer these questions. So let's introduce them. My first guest is Christopher Borgan, Product and Partner Manager at Company Share and Charge Foundation. Hello, Christopher. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, Christopher, thanks for joining. Can you give our listeners an elevator pitch for Share and Charge, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, we were founded exactly during the hype of blockchain, I would say, in 2017. And um, then we've started um, Share and Charge as a Airbnb of charging stations, and which basically means that users, they could rent out their charging station to other users. Um, I'm talking about electric vehicle charging stations. And uh, for that, we used some smart contracts. And uh, back then, I, I, at least to my knowledge, I, um, we were the first in production e-mobility app on the public Ethereum main chain. That's how it started, yeah. And where are you at today in a nutshell? Are you on the market? Are you still in development? Are you uh, alive? If I want to charge using your technology and find a charge point to the use, can I do that? Yes, yeah, we did a lot of piloting and um, innovation since uh, then with a lot of big electric vehicle charging businesses. And um, the original idea that we had with the Airbnb of charging stations, we um, didn't continue because of um, it was just not enough electric vehicles on the street back then. So the business model was not really viable. And that's what we why we did a pivot and changed into developing something called the open charging network, which is now solving the problem of interoperability in EV charging. And that is live uh, since a week now, actually. Um, ah, and looking forward to um, future businesses taking it up. Yeah. Thank and you. And live in the, the German market to begin with? Um, it's a digital solution available to the whole uh, market in Europe. So um, we have players in various European countries playing around with it, and um, they hopefully migrate also to the production um, version of it um, in the next month. So it's Europe-wide. Okay. Thanks, Christopher. We'll come back to you shortly. My next guest is Jojo Hubbard, co-founder and CEO at Electron. Hello, Jojo. Hi. Thanks very much for having me today. Thanks for joining. Uh, likewise, can you give us an elevator pitch for Electron, please? Well, so Electron builds um, digital infrastructure for distributed energy systems. Um, and um, 
I describe it as digital infrastructure to try and draw the kind of parallel between the kind of new physical infrastructure, the kind of new pipes and wires and well, actually mainly just wires and transformers in order to bring all these new distributed electricity assets online. Um, we're essentially looking to do the digital version of that. So our platform brings together a distributed asset register where you can connect public and private data sets that describe some of those assets and a marketplace platform where multiple third parties can uh, launch and, um, and coordinate, crucially, some of these new markets that are evolving to cater to those assets. So as we're moving to a world with millions of assets in the energy system, you're providing the, uh, as you said, the digital pipes and wires, so the, the communication and coordination of those assets so they can work for the customers and the whole electricity system. That's that's exactly it. And and you asked earlier sort of where where we are with that. Um mm -hmm. we're doing a top-down project to build the kind of the whole asset register for for the UK um with National Grid, UK Power Network, and Scottish Power Energy Networks. That, that, that's the kind of top-down approach. But on the bottom-up approach, and these are the easy things to kind of start early, we uh launched our first local energy marketplaces um in in Scotland uh last week, and the first trading is gonna go live there in four or five weeks i hope so that's exciting yeah uh whereabouts in scotland in the orkney islands which is ah. um it's, it's kind of vision of the uk system of the future because it's also an island it's got 160 percent renewable penetration um and huge amount of that uh renewable is 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 wind that's getting turned off um and this is also an island with no gas network. So you've got a lot of electric heat, you've got a couple of electric cars, and there's a whole bunch of people who would like very much for that clean local power not to be wasted. So you do actually have a two-sided market, um, which uh, means that you can build something quite special. Okay, thanks Jojo. Uh, we'll come back to you shortly as well. Uh, my last guest is Neil Atterbury, manager of uh, Delta's new energy business model service. Hello, Neil. Hi there, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining. Um, Neil, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe just after that uh, spike of interest in 2017, we at Delta E looked at where we saw opportunities for blockchain in the energy sector. Can you tell us a bit about where we saw those opportunities and maybe more importantly, whether you still think they're the, the right opportunities today? Yeah, absolutely. So when we looked at the market for blockchain energy a couple of years ago, we identified really three key opportunities. I think it'd be fair to say these remain among the most prominent use cases for in energy nowadays as well. So the first opportunity was around energy trading. So initially this was focused on peer-to-peer -peer and wholesale market trading, but we're now seeing examples of companies testing blockchain for use in flexibility and corporate PPA markets too. The second op opportunity was around EV charging, so specifically using blockchain to facilitate more open public EV charging networks. And then the third key use case was, and still is really, establishing and verifying the origin of green energy. So here blockchains being used to ensure that green kilowatt hours aren't double counted and that customers can be really confident that the power uh, that they're buying really has originated from a renewable source. So whilst these certainly aren't the only areas of application for blockchain and energy, they're the first three that we identified and it'd be fair to say that they remain among the more prominent opportunities today as well. 
Well, I think the, the first two reflect the focus of the, the two companies that we've got on the podcast today. Um, Actually, interestingly, and if, it, if, I, if I may on that, I think that um, so, so, so the key thing that Electron's using blockchain for essentially is this uh, sense of identity. So you've got lots of distributed assets trying to do lots of different things. And how can you tell uh, who's been authorized to do what or verified for what? I think it's I think it's actually one level down below a lot of those because all of those three use cases you mentioned are essentially transactive. And I think that, that there's kind of one level deeper. It's, it, it's, it, it's that kind of digital infrastructure layer, if I may. And that's yeah, how we... So, Georgia, you need to separate out then the infrastructure and the transactions. I mean, separate them out. They're, they're two different elements of, of potentially how blockchain can be used or applied. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to talk about that. I mean, actually, when we talk about transactions internally, particularly amongst our developers, we don't necessarily mean like transacting energy. We usually, when we talk about important transactions, those are just important decisions. So like, mm-hmm. who's authorized to do what? Who authorized that person to do that? And and and, and you, you get this kind of concept of, uh, for example, root of trust um, through that. So it's, it's not just the actual transactive energy, which is the kind of sexy bit that sits on the top. It's, it, it, it's, it's much more kind of fundamental to kind of platform governance and trying to mirror um, the fact that we're operating in a highly regulated uh, industry um, for many good reasons, and that, that's not about to go anywhere. Hmm. Okay, Christopher, how, how do you see that? Because the of Neil's uh, three use cases, EV charging is bang in the middle of your your business. How do you see Jojo's point in terms of the the infrastructure and the the transactions and the um, I guess the coordinating system for all his very large numbers of assets? Yeah, I very much agree on that part. I love I love what you're saying. Um, in the end, it's in EV charging. It's the same. You have the same issue, I would say, um, that you have multiple actors. You have very uh, much EVs in the future that are accessing the energy grid in various places. And then again, we we talk about like um, an access, an issue of access. You need to uh, be authorized to ch- charge somewhere and. Um, um, to put a certain stress on the grid um, in a certain area, and that's that needs to be coordinated, um, and that's why I guess in EV charging, there is this high potential for blockchain um, being a providing a registry of assets and um, helping to coordinate um, different offers and demands. Yeah. Okay, um, Neil, in terms of the you standing back and looking at the sector over the last few years. What's it's an interesting perspective, I think, to to take. You've not been immersed in the day-to-day um, blockchain um, industry or the companies working with blockchain. What have been your main observations as you've stood back and looked at the last few years? Sure. So probably got two key points to make on that one, John. So the first first point is that speaking to companies and to utilities as well, really I see blockchain being used less these days like a sort of a hammer looking for a nail and now the focus shifting much more towards identifying nearer term problems in the energy industry that need to be solved and building a solution to these which then can use blockchain so in this sense the focus of 
what you might call blockchain energy startups, um, but they may not want to be called that as well. I suppose there's less, this is how we're using blockchain and we're going to disrupt energy with it. And much more, this is a problem we're looking to solve. This is the proposition we're offering to customers. And we happen to use blockchain to do all or even just part of that because we think it really adds value. And I think that's really been driven by increasing caution from investors and utilities around blockchain occurring as, as really a response to that explosion of hype that you mentioned in, in 2017. Um, and then uh, I suppose a second observation around how blockchain has been um, developed in the energy sector over the past few years is that really I see more and more businesses looking to develop commercial models for their blockchain-based solutions. Um, and in that sense, seen the development of a lot of what you call private or permission blockchains becoming the more dominant form so that means that either a, a single entity or a consortium of entities govern the blockchain network so they validate transactions they potentially approve new members and they can uh, on occasion take responsibility for updates to the to the blockchain network as well um, so that's different to traditional public applications of blockchain things like bitcoin and ethereum because they don't have these permissioned actors now, there's absolutely practical reasons to have those and um, to use that kind of blockchain in, in energy. The most important being that permission blockchains are far more scalable. So in terms of the speed at which they can process transactions, but also enables companies to develop business cases using their technology, uh, as well as to reconcile what's happening in the real world with what's happening digitally on the blockchain and ensure that they're complying with, well, in the energy market, what are very strict rules. Um, so. Neil, those two points then, the less of a hammer looking for a nail, uh, and the second one, in energy, you've seen more permission-based sort of blockchain models. Um, Jojo and Christopher, any, any reactions or thoughts from your perspective on two points? Yeah, I would um, maybe pick up the first thought that, you, that you're having, because um, like we were founded in 2017, and in the end, um, our journey a little bit describes how um, this whole blockchain space also transitioned from hammer to nail to a um, more problem-oriented or problem-solution-oriented focus. And um, yeah, that's kind of what we experienced. We we benefited a lot, I guess, from 2017 and were hyped a lot. Share and Charge is a name that is, I think, recognized all over the world. Um, but nowadays, when I, when I talk to, to people in the EV charging space, they unfortunately, some of them, they still have me in mind as the blockchain guy and not the guy that can uh, solve their problems. So it's backfiring a little bit. Like it's a bit startup of a hard was helped in the first place. Yeah, yeah a bit of a hard but tag now for it's you backfiring. A bit of a hard tag for you to use, uh, to, to lose, sorry. Exactly. If I may jump on that. So hmm. my uh, we, my co-founder and I rather came into this from the other side like i'd um i'd been working in trying to integrate more renewables for five or six years before this um i'd st tried to start investing in batteries and hadn't uh had sort of launched the fund and then not been able to do anything about it because although the grid was ready for batteries the marketplaces weren't and we were really looking for a solution on how to create this kind of shared identity system and really really this kind of market coordination problem because every time a battery exports power it's affecting national balancing local constraint and someone's financial position and that's just not the case for financial markets you need like a much much greater degree of coordination energy than almost like any any other system i know of 
Um, so so when, when we kind of aligned on blockchain as the piece to kind of secure this single identity for a single asset, then then I think the, the the press sort of took all of our stories away from us. You know, we completely lost control of our own narrative and we were described as a peer-to-peer -peer company for many years, despite the fact that we never did any of those kind of trials or or use cases. But we, we were always, always a, a kind of private company developing for a business model, you know, essentially trying to create returns for our shareholders. And and we started on the kind of permission blockchain line. So we, we just see where we are now as, as a sign of, um, the maturation of the whole industry and we're really thrilled behind it i don't think i mean and, and, and certainly for many of the companies that started back then we started in 2015 like this wasn't like a pivot it was a it, it was a genuine solution that was already you know uh, uh that that was already solving a real problem and we just kind of got thrown sideways for a couple of years by having to explain why we went to hammer so you're labelled as a blockchain company, even if that's not what you uh, try to position yourself as. Um, and in terms of the solutions, um, I guess a question to, to both of you, maybe Christopher first. Can you tell us a bit more about the, I guess, the, the nail, so the, the problem that you're focusing on and how much mm -hmm. of your solution to that problem uses blockchain and how much doesn't use blockchain? Uh, I think it'd be interesting for listeners to to understand maybe that you're a solution company, not a blockchain company, to understand how you use other technologies and how, why and how you use blockchain in your solution. Cool. So you're now giving me the stage of positioning myself as a um, solution provider, not a blockchain Absolutely. company, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I guess... I need to explain a little bit how EV charging works um, so that the listener understands like what I'm talking about. So in EV charging, you usually have the problem of accessing charging stations. So as an EV driver, so you want to have access to charging stations to recharge your electric vehicle. And the problem that we are trying to solve is a problem of interoperability and um, maybe you remember the days when like, um, you had this hassle when you're going to another country with your mobile phone, you had to change mm. the SIM card because the networks, they were no, no, uh, or not interoperable. And um, that issue we have in EV charging as well. We have many charge point operators out there and they are good at like installing and operating charging infrastructure. And um, now if you buy an electric vehicle, for example, a Jaguar I-Pace, um, you want to have access to charging stations of all these chargement operators. And this is exactly what we want to enable, that the EV driver has access to various chargement operators networks um, and doesn't have the hassle of signing up to various networks and have various RFID cards and that kind of stuff. Well, Christopher, my fellow director really hopes you solved that problem because he was driving his electric vehicle from southwest England back to Scotland. And he was phoning uh, help centres, call desks, I think almost uh, physically attacking charge point machines because he was so frustrated at his inability to charge his oh, no. car driving back. <laughs> so, yeah, clear problem there. Okay, and what about the on the solution and how you use blockchain compared to how you use other technologies? Yeah, so there currently um, there are two solutions in the market. Um, 
one is um, there are centralized platform operators. They um, they on the one hand aggregate all these charge point operators, and the other side they aggregate all these e-mobility service providers like mm -hmm. Jaguar, iPay's charging solution. And that is one approach how the market is currently solving it. The other one is that um, all these charge point operators and e-mobility service providers they connect peer to peer with each other. But both of these solutions they have downsides. The one being if you have one centralized platform in the middle that is um yeah aggregating all these players then this player has a lot of market power and is mm -hmm. um yeah creating lock-in effects and on the other hand we have this peer-to-peer -peer approach which is i guess from a technical perspective very complex if you now as a jaguar ipace charging service operator you need to integrate 100 APIs of various charge point operators networks. And we combine those two approaches, basically um, having a platform, a decentralized one. And this is where the blockchain part kicks in that you connect once to this network. Um, but the blockchain part enables you to have peer to peer connections to all these network operators. Okay. So I guess you're trying to take the best parts of both and manage uh, or mitigate the, the the cons or the challenges of both of those two uh, two ways that you outlined. Exactly, and um, what blockchain provides there, like in the end, we are registering all these players in a registry, and this allows us then to, in the future, automate a lot of things um, because we have these players and these charging stations then registered in a registry, and everybody can um, see that registry and um, interact with with data that is provided there. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think okay. that, that's our way. Um, Jojo, can you tell us a bit about the, you outlined your problem quite clearly at the beginning that you're focusing on. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the role of blockchain compared to other technologies that you're working with in trying to solve that problem? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it comes back to what Christopher was saying about the role of the registry. Um, so uh, we we set blockchain we set blockchain we set Electron up um, because we had this quite clear view of what the ridiculous and we're going for a name change um, <laughs> we're not um, we we set Electron up because we had this really clear view of what the future energy system was going to look like um, and 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 I guess it kind of that that Christopher's aperture on cars uh, ours was kind of going more 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 broadly than that you know in 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 q3 2019 in the uk you know that, that there's more renewable energy than fossil fuels on the system you go from a world of 200 uh, plants outputting power to 1 million uh houses having solar on their roof and exporting and 25 million cars and 22 million ele electric heat pumps um and and really none of those parties can uh essentially interact uh, in an efficient way unless there is this view of kind of who's got what where from the kind of top down from the kind of you know national grid bid or or, or or the dnos you're kind of forecasting or network planning and then from the bottom up like you have to be seen to be counted to be to be able to actually kind of self-optimize so blockchain is 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 a key piece of the tech stack it's not all of the tech stack but it's a key piece of the tech stack on that kind of asset register piece so we bring together public and private data sets on the connected assets and we use blockchain as essentially the thin permissioning layer 
that sits over the top of that that says who uh, is uh, um, like what what type of player uh, uh, those uh, parties are, what roles they, they're allowed to play in the system, who is allowed to permission who to see which kind of data sets. We're basically logging all of those uh, permissions, which we call transactions, all of the important things. Um, but, but we're interacting with databases that are all held centralized by lots and lots of different central parties. So we're not trying to decentralize it, essentially. We're trying to coordinate across the various centralized approaches. Um, and then we use technologies like or, or, or protocols like OAuth2 to actually go and get the data. But we're essentially logging who's allowed to do what on the system. Oh, sorry, on the on the chain. So I think both of you have quite similar approaches and quite similar problems you're, you're trying to solve. Um, if I could ask you to each for our listeners to identify one key thing about using blockchain as part of your solution, what is it about blockchain that makes it the right part of that solution for you? Um, Christopher, what, how would you simplify for our listeners as to the, the key advantage of blockchain? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess we both talked now about these asset registries and I want to stress a little bit more on that because this is where the blockchain part really kicks in for us um if you like you could set up a registry also in in a way without using a blockchain mm -hmm. um for us it's um we we are running on the energy web chain and that means that it is an open blockchain that everybody could can look into and that is the the piece that is very important for us because we we um we're depending on a messaging paradigm in our system and everybody needs to have that data where this message or all these charging messages are sent to. And the blockchain, because everybody can run an own node, uh, means that everybody has access to the data and nobody can tamper with the data on the other hand. Um, and only okay. if you are allowed to change the registry entry of yourself, then everybody gets updated about this this change um, okay so it's the yeah simplest, i guess that's the simplest best most effective way to do that job exactly yeah and jojo how would you would you say the same or frame it slightly differently well we're out there to create the best single version of truth on connected assets there is and if it and 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 there are many as as, as christopher said there are many kind of um centralized companies who are also trying to create the best yeah. like single version of truth but ultimately it's the asset controllers or uh, who have the best data on this and, and and it's the asset operators who have better data on this and the asset manufacturers have better data on this so we profoundly believe that by pulling together all these data sets in a way that works for everyone and essentially incentivizes everyone to kind of bring their data together to do more with their assets that's how you get to the best single version of truth of connected assets okay great well i think really helpful for me and I hope all the listeners as well to, to understand how you're using blockchain, well, what the problem is, how we're using blockchain and why you're using uh, blockchain in particular. Um, looking forward now, um, what's the biggest challenge as you, you go forward and grow your businesses and activities? Christopher, um, again, let's keep to the, the uh, order we've been going and start with you in terms of your biggest challenge share and charge going forwards as i said already it's like uh 
that people don't recognize me as a blockchain guy, but as a solution guy <laughs> in the yeah, future. Okay. No, um, no, I think, um, yeah, having the using technology for building trust is something pretty new to mm. to all businesses out there because usually you enforce trust with like contracts. Um, you sign a contract with another business and then you yeah. do business with them. But now relying on a technology providing that, um, that, that is a paradigm shift that a lot of people, or where we have to educate people about. Um, yeah. And I think that is the, the biggest part for us, educating people that, um, yeah, if you trust in that solution, in that technology, you get clear ben benefits out of it, like cost reduction and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they not only have to see it, understand it, and believe it but they haven't have to have enough trust to use that and enough um, yeah enough knowledge um, jojo how about yourself so um i guess what one of the interesting things about blockchain is is it, it really is this like enabling technology that that all sorts of future kind of business cases can sit on top of of these registries and of these like agreed or verified sets of information or, or what have you all sorts of different market models can sit on either of our either of our platforms but I think I think it's that kind of getting the balance of top down and bottom up right has always been a kind of like key focus for Electron so um, we, ha we we're lucky enough to be able to work with some of the big network operators on 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 on, on kind of you know structuring that top-down asset register for how they're holding for example data it, it's called the system-wide resource register for example in the UK how are they holding data about distributed assets but then actually going and getting some of those private data sets integrated really means you have to go and do that kind of bottom-up marketplace view and, and for us as we launch this uh, as we take this curtailment market live um, in a few weeks giving us really really good resolution on a really restricted area of the network you know where there's a huge amount of value so I think we've We've been kind of uh, funding ourselves so far with a mixture of kind of private capital and um, some really uh, kind of generous, helpful grant funding to go and kind of get get those uh, projects started and really understand what it is we want to build. But we're kind of really kicking into deep commercial mode now, and now we need to go and grow those markets. And 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 we're we're, we're not competing as a blockchain company. You know, we're competing as 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 a solution provider, as a marketplace company, um, and and just. Getting people comfortable with the tech stack when there's any part of the word blockchain in it is 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 is, is, is an extra hurdle, but it's an exciting one because um, the magic of the marketplace is the fact that you can build other marketplaces on top, and it all comes down for us over and over and over again to this like what is the best single version of truth possible. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, moving from some pilots, demonstrations, getting traction, and then I think similar to Christopher, building that trust and understanding and confidence. Yeah, but, but actually, I think, I mean, I mean, in a way, even more so because, uh, I, I mean, it's not, not even more so, but in, in, in a way, I'd like to kind of lean into that. Like the marketplace that we're launching on Orkney is a physical market, right? People are actually mm. trading out of curtailment. Like you really got to like not blow anything up while you're doing that. You've really, yeah. really got to prove like someone is allowed to do this. And, and so it, it's not getting trust in the kind of like abstract and the kind of technology. It's like actually like getting real trust. So you're allowed to talk to someone's active network management system and, you know, millions of, of, of pounds of equipment. Yeah. So you, I guess metaphorically, you can kick the tires and see it working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Neil, from, from your perspective, what do you see as the big challenges? You, you've looked back at the last few years when you think about how the, the sector as a whole companies working across this space uh, move forward. What stands out to you? So for me, the, the key challenge is really going to be around demonstrating standout use cases and, and customer experiences. I think it's unlikely the majority of, of customers, whether they be um, end users, companies, uh, networks, are, are ever going to have a, a truly deep understanding of the underlying technology. Um, and it's important to remember that companies using blockchain aren't just competing with other companies using blockchain, but with others using alternative, often more established technologies. So really, blockchain needs to prove it's not just as good as, but even better than these alternatives from a customer perspective. So that could be, um, like Christopher and Georgia have mentioned, cheaper, faster, more secure. Uh, and if that can be achieved, then then perhaps sure, blockchain can play a really key role in enabling a, a greener, more decentralized energy system. Well, I'm thinking if um, if Sharon Charge can help to solve my fellow director's problem uh, in, a, in a way that he has a really good experience driving from back up to Scotland, or uh, I've just installed a, a heat pump in my home, and if Jojo, your marketplace can enable my heat pump to provide uh, flexibility to energy markets. Cool. Fantastic. Are you in Scotland? Um, I am, not in the Orkneys, though. Okay, well, we'll be coming to you very soon. You come to Glasgow, let me know. Brilliant. Um, um, now, it's crystal ball time. So, the time when we bring out uh, the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball. And you might think with a topic like blockchain, I'm going to set the dial far forward to 2030. But I'm actually going to turn it to 2023, just three years ahead. And my question for each of you uh, is, in 2023, how many companies will there be offering true commercial solutions that use blockchain in some form or other in the energy sector or the EV sector, Christopher? So beyond pilots and demonstrations, um, commercial solutions that are provided on a, well, a truly commercial basis. So are we going to be talking about a handful of companies, several companies, tens of companies, many tens of companies? Uh, brief answers, please, as we're, we're getting close on time. Um, Christopher, what, what do you think? How, how prevalent will companies using blockchain be? Yeah, I think it's a tough question. The, for me, it's quite important what you would define as a blockchain solution or a solution based on blockchain technology. Mm -hmm. Because I guess as we both, uh, Jojo and I stressed is that only a, like a small part of our solution is a, is, a, is blockchain. Yeah. So um, if that is for you a blockchain solution, then I'm pretty yeah. confident that it will be hundreds even uh, because we like, we launched last week and uh, we have clear business benefits like cost reduction, security, et cetera. And uh, I believe, of course, in ourselves and uh, in Jojo. And uh, yeah, so it will be hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. Okay. Uh, Jojo, how about you? I mean, I, I, I really like Christopher's kind of framing there. And, 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 and I guess the important thing to add to it is um, that that that's going to depend on the efficacy of the infrastructure basically if 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 companies like ours um 
can set this infrastructure up at, as we're you know on track to and as is scaling then all sorts of other solutions can be offered on the back of that you know instead of taking your utility bill to your lawyer to prove you live somewhere you can you can use your id you know like there's there's so many things in and out of the energy market that can be built on top of that and if you're going to define that as a blockchain company then say hundreds not like potentially even thousands but but not in a sense of them being blockchain companies, but in in a sense of them being able to interact with these uh, uh, um, kind of confirmed sets of data in in kind of governable ways, such that we can kind of let this kind of distributed energy market rip. Okay, so you both answered that question in a very interesting way, which is once you've got the infrastructure there, then you unlock a huge potential for companies to to interact over that infrastructure. Um, yeah, Neil, Neil last. But not least, how about yourself? So, ooh, it's, a, it's a tough question to put a, a firm number on if we're thinking in the next few years and companies that are truly commercial and widespread commercial in their application, I, I probably wouldn't go as high as, as hundreds. Um, so I'd probably be staying in, in the tens. Um, there are, I think, as we discussed, still several challenges to be overcome around understanding, around proving and, and developing trust um, and around the type of blockchain being implemented. Um, but I'd, I'd also add that I think the the energy transition itself has a way to go, perhaps before we see widespread commercialization of of some of blockchain's key use cases or things like peer-to-peer -peer trading, EV charging as well, perhaps to some extent. Um, and that's not necessarily a, a blockchain issue, but it's more uh, a wider issue with the, the speed of the energy transition. And, and that's another factor which could slow uptake of the technology. Okay, well, um, I think it's clear that in the energy transition, we're going to need coordination uh, and infrastructure for these millions of assets that we will see across Europe and beyond. Uh, it's been fascinating talking with all of you today about how that role as blockchain as part of that infrastructure and as part of the solutions. So thanks very much to all of you. Thank you, Christopher. For joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jojo. Thanks very much, Tim. And Neil. Um, thanks, John. Well, I hope you found that episode interesting and thank you for listening and we look forward to welcoming you back next week. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.